Uh, please welcome our guest tonight, uh, Mike McIntosh. Come on, Mike. Thank you. <clears throat> Woo! <laughs> Too much coffee. This is, <laughs> I, you know, I have to drink coffee Sunday afternoon. Like, to, to, to do this, if not, I'd just go home and take a nap for about 12 hours. Yes. But uh, I'm here. So, Mike, so good to have you here. Thank you. And what a blessing this is for us. And uh, have a seat. Thank you. You know, um, Chuck Swindoll wrote many best-selling books, but he did some research, and he found out that for a pastor to do a 45-minute sermon on a Sunday morning is equal to an eight-hour hard work day of a construction worker. So you, you've worked one day already if you've this now. Four times. Four times. So, so you, I've worked four days already. Right. So you don't I'm go, going home. See yeah. you guys. I'm done. No, I'm kidding. Either that or get a raise. I don't yeah. know which. <laughs> you, huh? Yeah. No. I don't see that coming. So uh, <laughs> uh, you did, you, you senior pastor Horizon for years. A long time. Yeah. That was a huge inspiration to me. I know I've shared this with you. And we've, we've done his channel um, before I've shared it on there. I think I might have shared a little bit here, but it was 1988, and I was a brand new believer, <laughs> and you were speaking at a conference in San Diego, and um, you said something that got me thinking, I'm going to give, I, I'm never going to turn back. And, but you also shared something about Jesus coming. I thought he was going to come in 1988, <laughs> but I was so excited. I, I want to say this, that the, probably the two most inspirational people to me to get started in Bible prophecy is Hal Lindsey, hmm. and that started before I was saved. And then, and, and then you, when I first got saved and I heard of you, I started listening to you, and then here we are, and Jesus is coming. We don't know when, we right. don't know the day or hour, but we're going to talk about some wild things tonight, and, uh, and there are interesting things. So we're going to go over a little bit of Matthew 24, just for a few minutes, to help everybody understand some things, and then we're going to basically get a prophecy update. And uh, but with that, Mike, will you open us up in prayer? I'd love get to. Started? All right. <clears throat> and can I ask you to pray for one of my grandsons? He's having a really rough time tonight. I'm very concerned for him. Um, I called him four times and texted him four times when I was driving here. He's 18. He's just emotionally spent, and I'm very concerned for him. He trusts me out of all of his family, and uh, that he's not taking my calls uh, or responding, I know that he's not in a good spot at all. Um, so if you just remember him. Yeah. Sorry to use your... Parker. Yeah. Parker. Yeah. You know, Mike, why don't you go ahead and pray? Yep. Lord, uh, tonight, each one of us has issues and problems and aches and pains and uh, you've always taught us that no matter what's going on with us, it's always, and Pastor Chuck taught us this, and Tom has learned it so well, it's always uh, other people, not ourselves. So he's loving and caring and serving people. And 412 Church is a big people-serving community, and we'd like to lift up Parker tonight mm -hmm. to you, Lord. Um, yes. You know his broken heart when he called me the other day and sobbed and when he saw what I went through in my book, he uh, said, I don't want to go through what you went through, Papa. Could I be a Christian, be saved and delivered? And I said, absolutely. Lord, you know that. So whatever happens, even if it's not good news, I'd like to pray that you would remember that broken boy, 
when he cried out to you. Um, and I'll leave it there with you, Lord. And We thank you for this gathering tonight. You have such a very, very special congregation here, Lord. These people um, have a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight. Uh, they're loving, they're kind, they're gentle, they're, they're the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and yet, none of us in this room are perfect. But we know the day will come when we'll be before you, and neither myself nor Tom would like to predict the day you're coming. Uh, but we sure would like to do what you ask us to do when these things begin to happen. Lift up your heads and look on high before your de- redemption do- draws near. And so we pray for anyone that is listening, watching, or sitting in this room tonight, that if they haven't met you personally, or maybe they've walked away from you, if they are not plugged into your heart right now and receiving the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the love, let them tonight humble themselves in your sight and surrender to you, Lord. And as other family members from the families here have issues too. We pray for everybody related by the hundreds of people uh, to all of us in this room. We would want all of them to go to heaven, Lord. So use this evening as a very, very special outpouring of your love, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. And let us just uh, bathe in your beauty, Lord. And as Tom inspires us with the headlines, we we do want to know that it's time to wake up and we need to tap other people on the shoulder. So bless this night with your presence. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we do ask. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mike. And, and uh, thank you. We'll be praying for Parker, too. Thank you. Thank so you. here in Matthew chapter 24, yeah. the Bible says, Then Jesus, he went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him, the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, Do you not see all of these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And You know, I've been to Jerusalem. You see those thrown down stones. Yep. Uh, verse 3, Now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And then a second question, And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Mm. So the one part of the question, or the first part is, when's the temple going to be destroyed? We know that happened 70 AD. But then they want to know, what about the end of the age? When are you coming back? And then he answers. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because the lawlessness will abound, The love of many will grow cold. Boy, that sounds like today, doesn't it? Absolutely. But he who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let whoever reads, let him understand, 
Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And then from that point, Mike, we know Jesus goes on to describe the destruction that's coming at the second half of the tribulation right. period and, and what's going to happen. But, but the verses that we just read, they are loaded with a lot. In fact, you had me on one of your radio programs sometime back and we were talking about the same passage. Would you like to it, do that tomorrow? What time? Uh, 3 o'clock, California. Yeah, I think I can, but let me check okay. the schedule before. Well, you did such so a good he's job. He's into like a, the Chicago, right? Chicago. And it's like all over the country. And uh, yeah, usually you call me up at like 2 o'clock, I think, and ask. So actually, I, I should consider this, yeah. hey, fair warning. Uh, at this point, I'll say yes. Okay. But it's live, too. So it's, it's fun doing things with Mike, as you can see. <laughs> so here we But let's check the schedule just to make sure. Sure. <laughs> I don't want to make sure I'm not meeting with the president tomorrow or okay. something like that. Okay, here we go. So Reverend Franklin Graham asks, are we in the last days? I think God is describing our generation. So we think of the, the lawlessness abounding everything. Now listen to this. This says, Reverend Franklin Graham, the son of late evangelist Billy Graham, thinks the world may be in the last days as foretold in the Bible, and he believes that God is warning us that judgment is coming. He also believes that much of the vileness uh, expressed by people today is being fueled by the media and the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Reverend Graham made his remarks in a June 21st Facebook post in reference to Pennsylvania State Rep. Brian Sims, a Democrat and the first openly gay legislature, le legislator in the state on June 19, when Vice President Mike Pence visited Philadelphia. Sims tweeted an official welcome a picture of himself giving Pence the middle finger. Uh, Sims wrote, Mike Pence, let me be the first to officially welcome you to the city of brotherly love and to my district. We are a city of soaring diversity. We believe in the power of all people, black, brown, queer, trans, atheist, and immigrant. So get bent and then get out. So we're, we're hearing about these things. And, and what, what struck my, uh, what grabbed my attention was uh, Franklin Graham saying, are we living in the last days? You know, you look at Matthew 24, that passage, so many prophecies of the second coming of Christ. Mike, uh, we go back to 1988 when I first heard you live, and I've believed, man, Jesus is coming. And, and the farther we go down this, on this train, it seems like we are so close. Your thoughts? Well, first, Franklin believes the Lord is near. That was a little tongue-in-cheek uh, rhetoric. His sister, of course, Anne Graham Lotz, is, has written books and is very, very outspoken um, about the coming yeah. of the Lord, not knowing when it is, of course. And she told me at a, we were in Chicago and speaking at a lawyer's convention or something, and she gave all hundreds and hundreds of lawyers the whole scenario of the rapture of the church. And uh, she didn't hold back anything. And she mentioned her daddy. She called him daddy. So does Franklin call him daddy. That... Uh, that Billy would come to her and ask her really pertinent questions about the return of the Lord. I mean, he knows his Bible, but she was very gifted. So I wouldn't want the audience to think that Franklin doesn't believe in the coming of the Lord. He's like the two of us. We don't know when he's coming, but we sure do see the signs. And since um, you heard me live in 88, what am I now? I'm, I'm live, aren't I? You're live. Okay, I'm still live. Okay. You're alive too. Yeah, so. yeah, okay, so... Uh, we you both, look the same. Okay, well, thank you. It's all airbrushed. See, 30 years ago, you still look 30. You, you look like you did back then. <laughs> Do I owe you money? 
Um, you will after I do the program tomorrow. Uh, okay, no, I'm kidding. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm joking. I know. Okay, here, here's the, the point that Franklin's getting across. He's sitting and, and or standing and talking, knowing how bitter the news media is towards his message and towards him. And uh, he is putting an olive branch out there without saying, I'm telling you, the Lord's coming right yeah. back. So he does believe. There's no doubt about it. Secondly, uh, from 1988 until tonight, we both have experienced much more knowledge and understanding from the Holy Spirit about the Bible. Uh, thirdly, we also have watched the world change. And I would think for all of us in this room tonight, uh, knowing the state we live in and how they are just, uh, well, they don't like Christians, the people that are in charge. They'd like to get rid of us all, literally. Uh, and you have an article about that, I think, coming up about population control. Yeah. Um, but California, uh, at the highest levels, is anti-Christ. They're against anything to do with Jesus Christ. Um, so therefore, you're not going to get any extra help uh, from the government in that means. Other states are more friendly to the things of Jesus. So we have enough evidence, and that's the key, uh, from research that the things Jesus said in Matthew 24 are happening in sequence and variation more than ever before in the, in the earth. It's not as if 1998 or 88 had the most uh, earthquakes at any given time. No, it's 2017, 2018. It's not that uh, 16 of the 23 um, uh, super volcanoes, they call them, uh, that 16 out of 23 in the summer of 2015 were all wakening up for the first time at any time, but 16 out of 23. Nor have we had the warnings we had just last week. Now, you and Barry are good on the volcanoes, and Jesus mentioned these earthquakes in various places and these, these destructive things. But last week, the, I think it's the U.S. Geological uh, Agency, I, I think, but on television, they announced that it's not a matter of if we're going to be hit uh, this is a separate article, by a uh, meteorite or a huge asteroid. They said uh, that it's only when is this going to happen. And uh, they are now saying, out in the open, one of the reasons we're pushing, and have you noticed there's been a big push to go to Mars? Mm -hmm. And my generation grew, grew up with scary movies, and Martians were things we feared. <laughs> Did you see those too? All the Martian shows are freaky from Tom... Uh, you name Tom, what's his name? Not Tom Selleck, but the other guy, Tom Cruise. And his The Day the World... <laughs> Tom Selleck was Magnum P.I. Yeah, he was the guy in the Ferrari. <laughs> but he did that, he re did a redo of the 50s show, The um, War of the Worlds. Well, we were always taught, uh, and this is control of the media, we were brainwashed to say, don't look at Mars. Mars is horrible. Then in the 50s, at the end of World War II, we had the Ground Observer course, and I had a brother that was in intelligence... Uh, agency, and he was a director in a certain place of the Ground Observers Corps. And some of you may remember it. We're all given books in our schools, uh, and you had them at home, too. And you had every airplane that was known to man flying in the skies. And if you saw anything besides that, you're to call this emergency number. So we had some questions and some scares of aliens in outer space and Roswell and all those things. These things have multiplied so much that now they're openly talking about it, that the earth is getting ready to have a very bad incident. 
Isaiah said many hundreds of years ago, talking about our time, that the earth is going to reel to and fro and be removed out of its place like a drunkard. And what he's saying is going to be out of orbit. It's going to be, as physicists call it today, an earth wobble. And the example, and we are in a earth wobble. We are not perfectly at 23 degree tilt. And God put us at a 23 degree angle of a tilt so that when we went around the sun once a year, there'd be four seasons and summer in one spot, winter in another, fall in one, spring in another. He had that all planned out. But we're actually, I don't even know the numbers, not very large of a number out of tilt, but enough that it's in an earth wobble. And Chuck Smith used to say this, take a toy top and pump it up. Remember, the faster you went, the higher the sound. Yeah. It's like that. It went just like that, yeah. Well, I'm quoting Chuck now. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, it spins, but when it slows down, you know, it starts to go back and forth, and then finally when it's out of its rotation, it falls to its side. So in the last uh, 14 days, I can say safely, on television, and I'm sure you could probably go to that History Channel or the Space Channel, Science Channel, and get a copy of it, they are saying that we need to get our human race off this planet, and Mars is the closest thing to us. So we are near the end times because now they're telling this generation, Mars is our friend. They've discovered water. They've discovered protons. They've discovered all sorts of things that could do life, and now they have graphics, and I'm sure you are aware of how much money it costs to do graphics, and all that is a lot of money, thousands of dollars a minute. Uh, and they're showing oceans, uh, mountains with snow. They're, they've got a plan of where they're going to put an atmosphere around it. But here's the sad part. God's not involved anywhere. And because they don't have God as their foundation, they're not going to get off this planet because I don't personally believe that God wants the sin that has destroyed the people of this planet to spread to the next planet and take its aids with us. And you've got to realize they experiment in everything in the International Space Station. They want to know, can babies be produced there? Can they be born there? Can they blah, blah? Can two men get along okay in Mars? Da, 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 da. And God's not going to let that leave our atmosphere, I don't think. He's ready, as Billy Graham once said. They said, do you believe in flying saucers and life on other planets? It was Dick Cabot, I think. And he, Billy said, uh, well, I don't know about that, but I do know this book tells me this planet that is inhabited is in rebellion against God and God's going to judge this planet. So I, I can't worry about what's out there. I need to get people to come to meet God so they will escape that judgment. Amen. So yeah. we're close, more so than ever, ever yeah. before. And also the book of Revelation talks about stars falling from the sky, yep. like figs falling from a tree late in season, which fits with the meteorites and the uh, possible asteroids hitting. Think we're, and the way the Bible describes it, there's going to be plummeted with those things. Yes. Um, we, uh, 100 pound to 200 pound hailstones. Yeah, just that's hail. Those, those are hailstones. Right. Uh, Imagine yeah. if just one came through yeah. here, the hole that would be here. But let's say 500 came in a 60 second, we'd all be dead. Yeah. And instead of the people yeah. crying out for God's mercy, they refuse in, to repent. In Re yeah. Revelation 6. Yep. They say that. Hide us from the wrath of he that sits on the throne yeah. uh, and called out to the rocks and mountains yeah. to fall upon. Instead of humbling themselves and saying, 
we should have listened long ago, please forgive us. No, they say, let's commit suicide by nature. Mother Nature gave in yeah. on us. Yeah. And, and also along these lines of people wanting to get off the planet, uh, this last week Trump uh, has announced building a space military. And yeah. so you start looking at that, you know, you hear talks about, talk about UFOs, you hear talk about all these different things, yeah. and uh, you, you, know, you start looking, going, men are trying to figure out a way how to save men. Yep. And, and it's with a, a devoid of God, and it's not going to work. It is going to end the way the Bible says it's going to, but actually that'll be the beginning. It's going to be the way it's supposed to be. It'll be a yes. great beginning when it happens. And that's a great point, Tom, because think of this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you always hear about conquering outer space. Well, what's there to conquer out there? It's in our vocabulary to be violent. There's nothing to conquer out there. There's things to discover out there. And God made it for his glory, but that we could enjoy every, all of his creation. So uh, when he announced this, this is not a new thought, by the way, but you should, if you're not aware of this, called it the Space Force, I think. And it's going to be the sixth uh, military arm of the Defense Department in the Pentagon. It's a real deal. But isn't it sad that here we are in this virgin galaxy out here, and we're already talking about taking weapons out there, and that we're going to have to fight something. Yeah. It's just our nature, and that's why I think we're really close, because we have the ability to get off the planet. Uh, and uh, if you've followed what has happened in the past, there are many things that NASA is releasing in the last 12 months, that there were other people out in space, and our astronauts were saying, hey, we've got a bogey over here at 10 o'clock, we see another vehicle, what is this? We found this on the moon, and then the switches are shut off, and they go. So we, interesting. interesting. There's a lot messing. of interesting yeah. things going on. Yeah. So but for uh, him to say a space force yeah. means we're going to take it by force. Very, very interesting things. <laughs> and on this planet, another reason why I don't think it's going to go that direction, yeah. I don't think we have a lot of time left, but this is about immigration. Mm. And obviously, I don't know if you know, immigration is a very hot topic right now. Does anybody notice that? Okay, it's, it is. Did you check all their visas and stuff? No, <laughs> no I'm not going there. But uh, divided, this is European news, hmm. divided EU leaders convene for emergency talks on immigration. Uh, Pope Francis to European leaders, hmm. take in as many migrants as possible. Pope Francis has urged European leaders to take in as many migrants as possible in another globalist statement that sounded like a script given to him directly from the deep state. Uh, this all faked, fake photo, fake news, this is America. Fake media and the engineering of fake outrage to push an open borders mm. invasion of America. Uh, there was a photo of a family separation the other day that appeared on Time Magazine, and apparently the whole photo was fake, but it's all over the social media, it's all over the world. And it wasn't even, uh, the, the whole thing was faked as to the child not actually being separated that's, from the parents. That's right. But it was promoted that the child was. So we're watching this. And then we have this. Uh, Maxine Waters uh, orders more public harassment of Trump aides. And then she says, God is on our side. I'd like to read what she said, but I don't have enough time to. She talks about uh, other people quoting Bible verses, but we know God is on our side. So again, harass Trump aides. This is protesters descend on Kirsten Nielsen's home. Mm. No justice, no sleep. And then I saw this quote. We'll see if we can pull it up here from Tom Arnold on uh, Instagram. We'll see if it comes up. If and, it does, I'll try to read it. And uh, I can't read it. I don't have my phone, so I can't tell you what it's it says. It's important if you didn't know the lady he just mentioned, 
Kirsten, Kirsten Nielsen. Kirsten yep. Nielsen. She's the director of Homeland Security. And some of you are ex-military or present military. And one thing you know is you don't mess with intelligence people, especially at the highest levels. They have ways of getting sugar into your gas tank late at night in your driveway. Uh, and you'll never know what happened or when or how. And so this disrespect yeah. of, of uh, the, Mr. Trump. We're told in the New Testament by St. Paul that we're to pray for those who are in authority. Right. Can you imagine the Christians during Paul's time praying for Caesar Nero, who actually put them on poles and dipped them in ugly stuff and lit them up yeah. on fire and drove around his yard in the back of his palace naked in a... Uh, drunken whatever else stupor in his chariots and the Christians our brothers and sisters that were fed to the lions and to the bears and to the gladiators um, they prayed for that yeah, they prayed for maniac yeah and so we look at what's going on in, our, in America and the EU the reason I read the EU high headlines is because the EU recognizes they have a huge problem I, I want to yes. get to this you're talking a little bit about Poland Italy is, is, is pushing back against the globalist movement. Um, Poland obviously is. I think you said you mentioned Greece, but we're going to get into that in a second. But with this, so we have Maxine Waters, a politician, basically saying protest, but the way she describes it, it sounds like it's, she's saying go for violence if you have to. Mm -hmm. That's the way I'm reading it. But uh, Sam, Sarah Sanders was uh, removed from a restaurant the other day. Yes. Uh, Kirsten Nielsen was... Um, and then Tom Arnold, the reason I brought up Tom Arnold is because I read his Instagram post, and I wish I had it up here, but essentially what he said is, we are going to go to where the children are of the president, we're going to go to the schools, we're going to go to the schools where these people are, we're going to go to the place of employment where uh, their daughter works, and we're going to harass that restaurant where their daughter works. And it was this, and as I'm reading it, it to me, the way I took it, it was... I can, I can see it as being terrorist threats. So what we're watching is the, the Hollywood is just, is, just, is just unhinged. And we're, we're watching these things happen. Never has it happened before like this, but in Europe they're having these things. And so I see lawlessness abounding. The love of many is growing cold. But I also see a culture and a society that is prepared for the day when the rapture happens. We finally got rid of these people. I, in fact, I was thinking the other day, mm. uh, 1 Thessalonians, the restraining force, mm. or 2 Thessalonians, mm. the when the restrainer is taken away. Right now, you can really see the restraint, and, because there is threats of violence, there's p the political threats, there's ruin everybody's life that doesn't agree with us, yes. and so we can really see a restraint. Man, when the, when the rapture takes place, Mike, I see this whole thing just absolutely swinging into the globalist agenda. Probably overnight, overnight, yeah. because uh, if we just all disappeared, for instance, uh, and uh, July 1st comes and our car payments aren't made and our house mortgages and our rent's not paid, uh, our credit cards aren't paid, you multiply that times a half a billion, a billion, two billion people, it'll be a total collapse of the world, I mean collapse, not an orchestrated like we've seen and we're getting ready to have again here in the next few months or so, uh, not orchestrated and planned. But um, the, the big wheels on top don't know how it happened. But when that many people leaves, you're going to have doctors and nurses and hospitals that are operating. You have pilots of uh, commercial air flights. You're going to have military people in strategic places that will disappear. Um, 
it's going to be yeah. hell on earth. And I think they'll come up. And, and here's what's good about what you're saying. There's a young man. Uh, his name is Macron. He's the president yes. of uh, uh, France. Um, there was a picture of him on the Color of Time magazine and said the, the next uh, or the, possibly the first leader of the European economic community if he can govern France. So we know when President uh, uh, Barry Soto, Barack Obama, uh, came into view, nobody knew anything about him either. And uh, he was able to do anything and walk on water and nobody could say anything against him. Then there's a third one that has showed up here in the last 12, 14 months. He's 32 years old and you know who he is, uh, Salman bin yeah. Laden from uh, Saudi Arabia. 32 years old and he's making decisions that are going to change the world. He's building the most modern city, five times larger than New York City, he's going to spend 500 billion something, huge number. Uh, it's going to be the most modern city. And remember when our two towers went down, they put up two towers that are taller than our two towers and that's where the world uh, money business stuff right. got rid of the old and showed us where the new Looking world is. Dubai. Dubai, so those that, but the, you're talking about a new city that a new is city built. in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and, and it's Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Jordan. Is it those working three? together? Working together. I think so. And they, uh, this young man, see, it's a cultural uh, situation that is a giveaway to all of us. A 32-year-old man, though he's a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, he doesn't have a voice in front of a 72-year-old man or an 82-year-old man. Uh, he's humble and he's quiet. He has to wait his time. The king, for some reason, mysteriously said, I'm giving the throne to my son. And uh, he came to the U.S. and spent three weeks here uh, just a couple months ago and is probably letting the people on this side of the world how things will be. You remember, the Saudi family is the only family able to fly other than the U.S. military on 9-11. They let them get into their private jets and leave Harvard and Yale and wherever else they were in the country and they were not shot down. There's a strong tie between yes. those people and our those people. Those are really fascinating things. We have, uh, I want to get into depopulation, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, some things that's going on with China yes. and the New World Order, but also regarding technology here in America. I'm going to get into that in a minute, but Back to the immigration mm. issue. So we look at uh, Europe. They've got it. Italy right now is pushing back. They sent some uh, boats back to the country just uh, recently, just the other day. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to watch this in Europe. They're saying we're done with the globalist movement. Uh, George Soros has been essentially kicked out of Hungary, his mm -hmm. home country. Uh, so you have a little bit to say about that, but here in America, Mike, I want you to tie, tie these things together from Poland to Italy to what's going on in immigration. Here in America, we watch these children things going on. Now, the immigration policy that's being enforced right now was Bill Clinton, Bush, Barack Obama, and now Trump. Now it's an issue, and I think it has to do with Trump not going along with the globalist agenda. But with that, we are seeing little children. It's heartbreaking. Yep. But you have a lot of insight from years of being in other countries and knowing people. Anything, <clears throat> we talked a little bit in the back room, anything you can share publicly? Uh, yes, and uh, I'd only share what wouldn't get somebody in trouble for talking to me. Okay. <laughs> but, um, 
Just share what you can. Let me start in 2015, just three summers ago. This exact week uh, was my second trip into northern Iraq. We were maybe 15 minutes away from ISIS, 15 known minutes away from the known ISIS, not the guys that are walking in the towns with civilian clothes on, but fighting. We saw the, the fighting. We were a mile away at one point. Uh, one of the things that it literally crushed me, and uh, it was that when I found out from the Kurdish parliament, in fact, the secretary general, and 11 members of the 111 parliament, so that's 10%, we had a meeting, and they represented the minority of the Christians. And uh, the secretary general asked, uh, how many Christians do you think there are in Iraq? I said, I apologize, sir, I don't have that number. I'm very involved in the Iraqi Chaldean community, second largest in the world outside of Iraq, here in San Diego. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And he said, well, before ISIS, two years ago, three years, four at the most, 1,800,000 Christians in Iraq. Since ISIS started, how many would you think? I want you to think of a number. Uh, so I said, well, how about 1,700,000? And all the parliament members looked at each other like, these dumb Americans. And he said, no, we have less than 300,000. We're missing 1,500,000 Christians. And America has done nothing about it except allow it to happen. That made me embarrassed to be an American and ashamed because I saw all the, the negative things that were thrown at us. I understand why now. Uh, in fact, in one meeting, uh, maybe 30 people in the room, a Muslim man, 30, 35 years old, stood up at the other end of this very long table, maybe 30 of us all in that room, and he stood up and he pointed down at the end where I was sitting, and he said, you know, I represent thousands and thousands of Muslims that hate you simply because you're an American. We'd heard that over and over. We were told by leaders that America financed and launched ISIS for their own personal reasons. That was always something to get upset about, but you bit your tongue. And I couldn't bite my tongue any longer, and I said, Sir, Hollywood, California, and Washington, D.C. do not at all represent the American people. And that's the truth, because when you travel around the world and you meet people of all different walks, there is no group of people as benevolent, generous, kind, loving, forgiving, understanding, willing to lend a hand, willing to reach out, than the American people. We're one of the very few in history that has gone back and rebuilt the, the enemies who attacked us and rebuilt their entire economies. So I got heavily involved in uh, debriefing and counseling the Yazidi women, girls, that were kidnapped, beaten, sold to sex slave, slavery. But then when we got the real intel, this really upset me and the people that I was traveling with. If it was a boy or a girl, five years old or older, they were kidnapped and taken out of the towns and villages and sold to be sex slaves to perverts. And I debriefed a very special young woman, 16 years old. She had uh, actually had a photographic memory. And she was sitting beside, when I was talking to them, uh, a 15-year-old that they grew up, their families since they were babies on the same street. They both were kidnapped together, thrown into the trunk of a car, in, in Mosul, and as you know, Mosul is Nineveh of the Bible. And this is the first time over 2,000 years the scriptures have not been lifted up in Nineveh. 
So um, I, I listened, and she, I, I said, listen, you don't need, to, I have daughters, I have granddaughters, I have great-granddaughters, you, you don't need to tell me the details, I can read between the lines, and I know it might be therapeutic, but uh, I don't want you to think you have to say anything. She said, I want the world to know. So she got speaking so clearly that she was put in the trunk, and in her mind, a clock started ticking. And she said, like, after four and a half minutes, I could smell cow manure, and I could hear cows. That's a big dairy that's on the east side of Nineveh Plains. Oh. And then I still count, and then about 20 minutes after that, I could smell oil and gas, and so I know where that refinery is. She was able to plot the course. Um, I actually went and got a Navy SEAL who was on our team that was uh, protecting us. And I said, this girl and her girlfriend have the exact address where the mother and three daughters are still alive that they escaped from. So um, I brought him over, and she clammed up. She just froze. And uh, I was very sensitive. A woman doesn't like to be touched by a stranger, let alone a foreign stranger, let alone an American. But I just reached out, and I touched her on the shoulder. And I mentioned her name. And then uh, the translator responded, uh, you know, you've opened up to me. You trust me. Uh, and I'm talking from my heart to your heart. I'm the man that's going to get you healed and back to normal and encourage you to get to know the God I serve and love. This man is a warrior. He's talking to your head. That's why you just froze. He's getting information. He's asking times, dates, places. And you're afraid because you just found you could talk with your heart to somebody. But that's my gift. His gift is to go to that house that you told me about with the address and make sure those people in there are brought back to you, your family, and those that were holding them will never, ever kidnap anybody ever again. She went, ah, and she laid it all out. So we found out that the U.S. was backing, and she mentioned about American dollars, American people, men buying sex slaves. And I said, not Americans, you mean speaking English? Yes. Was it like South African English? No. It was British English? Nope. Was it uh, like the Indians? Nope. Was it, well, was it New Zealand? No. It was the USA English. And I said, so you're telling me? I, she saw wads and wads of hundreds American men. And I could understand the cute little girls, the 17, 20-year-olds. I, I could understand that. I got so angry, I told couple of SEALs, guys, I'll go out with you tonight. I know you're going out doing something late at night, but if you have another rifle, these men do not have the right to be breathing oxygen or walking on the planet Earth. From the stories we've been getting the last week, and these two teenagers topped it off. And then I started to walk away, and I had to go back and repent and say, forgive me, I, I'm not supposed to do that. Well, but it's the kids, yeah. and there's a whole deception about the kids. Well, let me say this, and then I want to go to the, back to the kid thing. We don't have a lot of time left. But we have, can we do a few more questions because there's some really, okay, good, we're, we're good. Okay, in the book of Revelation, one of the reasons for the judgment on Babylon the Great mm. is because they were selling the bodies and souls, souls. of people. And I've, off, I've thought of this for years mm. as being the sex slave industry because what happens is you kidnap a child, you have stolen their soul by what happens right. to them. You've, the, it's like the enemy has gotten in there and ruined uh, somebody permanently apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and I've been convinced for a long time, way before I've been hearing the stories I've, stories I've been hearing about for the last couple of years, way before the Yazidi girls and, and what's been going on with ISIS and uh, what's been going on in America and other countries. Um, I looked at that and thought, that's what that is. And God's going to judge. But right now we're watching these little kids on yeah. the American border. Uh, and, and so you have some insight to that. And well, it, I've, I've had insights. I was a reserve police officer at San Diego Police Department for eight or nine years. And then the chief asked me to help him set up a chaplaincy. And then he became the sheriff, and I helped set up the San Diego County chaplaincy and the PD. And um, so I knew children were a problem, and I knew what was coming across the border uh, way back in the 80s when we probably first met, that um, these weren't just Mexican people that were coming across the border way back then. These were Iranians with weapons. These were Chinese. These were bad, bad people. And uh, everything got focused to the immigrant to not let what was going on. And then the Obama administration was selling uh, AR-15s and AK-47s out of Arizona yeah. to the cartels. And our government was supporting that. So when I heard about five-year-old boys and girls, I've got 20 grandkids and six great-grandkids and six kids. And uh, it takes a second trust deed on our house every Christmas just to get them all <laughs> presents. I bet it does. But um, <laughs> I, love, I love children. And I didn't have a good childhood uh, life. I uh, was separated from my parents. Uh, I envied anybody that had a dad when I was a teenager, you know. So when it comes to kids, a friend of mine worked for Ronald Reagan, and he was so strong, and he explained to Mr. Reagan about what's going on with kids. Mr. Reagan wasn't totally aware. He gave Ed Meese, our attorney general at the time, and my friend who served Ed, uh, started that everybody had to be trained in kids in America. Every federal judge had to understand what's really going on. And, and that was Ronald Reagan opening that door. When uh, Bush number one came in, he stopped the whole program. Uh, he says, too sensitive of a program. I don't want it on my watch. But that man went on. He's a brilliant lawyer. He's tired, for sure. But he's a brother. And I was asked to come to his organization, National Law Center for Children and uh, Families. That's his whole heartbeat. Plus, he practices law. This is his nonprofit. So I did one year, a little more than a year, every, every day researching uh, the sex traffic, the human trafficking, and children. And I got reports. I spoke with the Coast Guard. I spoke with the FBI. I spoke with people, big shots in LA and different places. And I got a picture of what was happening. And what you're seeing at the border is all, I could pretty much say all, I'll leave some room for doubt, a sham. You see, three summers ago, do you remember the pictures of the boys and girls up on the trains that were coming from Guatemala? They weren't with parents. They weren't separated from anybody. But many of them, uh, we don't know what happened to them. But they were put into internment uh, cells and bases by the Obama administration. And uh, Congress was being hounded by the people of Oklahoma and wherever these were. And a congressman finally went, and the security guard would not let the U.S. Congress come in and talk to any of those children, which tells you they're hiding something. I don't know if it's a government sponsor of, of children being used as sex toys or whatever, but here's the deal. Uh, as I mentioned to you, 
many at that time, three years ago, were 14, 15, 16-year-olds, and some a little older. They're old enough to vote now. And when you follow the money, and you follow the adoptions, and all those children, you'll find out they were adopted, the majority of them, by left-wing-leaning, ultra-liberal people. And they're pouring the hatred against Christians, the USA, uh, and they've got built-in voters. Okay, I'll tell this one story I told you. I had a meeting with a man very high up in our border and our customs. And um, he was at a meeting where I was speaking, and he came up afterwards. And like Tom, we have that happen quite a bit. So you take it with a grain of salt. You don't know if they're telling you the truth or not. But I, I knew a person that knew him. He was for real. His job is they come to the California borders, Arizona. I don't want to tell you where he was, but if a man, this was under the Obama administration, if a man, they don't care if it's a Mexican, a Honduran, a Guatemalan, a Peruvian, or a uh, Russian, or an Iranian, or a Pakistani, if they've got a child with them, you have to let them into the country. So I think it's Mr. Trump who heard about this, and he's put a cork in that hole. And this is why the media has rallied people against him and his plan. They don't want the truth to come out of what's really going on here. And uh, this man's job was, hello, this is uh, Lieutenant so-and-so, and he'd be in the general category. Okay, uh, how old's the man? Send me a picture right now. How old's the child? They both look like they're from the same background ethnically. No, this one's white with blue eyes and blonde hair, and he's as dark as you could be. Oh, okay. So being a Christian, he filters whatever comes, but he, by law, has to say in who this is, is a pedophile, is a human trafficker kidnapping children and bringing them into the USA and making a lot of money. It's not an issue about being separated from your mother and father, that our government is just horrible. Because I, I went to law school for a year, and I couldn't afford it anymore, but I was learning. And I was able, because of my involvement with kids, I could have gone to the camps where people weren't allowed in. If I would do it for free, pro bono, and if I knew good, substantial citizens that would give a home to these children. And that was out raising my right hand. I had the right credentials, but you could do it too. So what you have going on here is multi-layered, very multi-layered. One of the biggest concerns I have right now about the wall, and this isn't a conspiracy, this isn't uh, frayed or anything like that. I, I really don't fear anything but the Lord, is um, when things go bad, like Tom is reading from Matthew 24 and the church is gone, these movies about zombies and these television shows and the kids have them in all their shooting for the last 10 years, zombies, zombies. Why the zombies? Well, th they look like people that have survived a nuclear attack or chemical or biological welfare, uh, warfare. That's what these zombie peoples in the movies and television is about. The wall is there to keep not good people from coming in and legally becoming an American citizen, which we applaud. 
and this lie that we're all immigrants, the people that put that out are trying to put smoke up in the air to blind you. I'm now concerned, is that wall going to be ultimately used to keep us in? That when it's time to flee, and you know you can just go down south and, and, and flee, and you can live off the land, basically, that wall is going to be a hindrance to the people that are left behind. So there's a lot of lies, a lot of deception, and if it has to do with kids, it's sickening, it's perverted, and people are using and abusing them. And thank God that I have sworn my allegiance to the throne, and I'm Amen. I'm a gentle, kind person. I would never think of doing anything bad. <laughs> are you a karate man? No, okay. Raul Reese beat me up once, and I said never again. We are, we are. Real, well, we're kind of out of time a few minutes to go back. If, a couple more questions, that'd be all right. If we have time, I want to get into depopulation. There's, no, listen, scientists engineer human infecting form of deadly new bird flu, mm. claiming they need to know how it works. Now, you read this. If you have time, I'll get there in a minute. Uh, should I just go there now? Okay, so let's go just now. go there. Yeah. So because this is important. This is one of the signs of the it, end is it, pestilence. It, it, it is. And then uh, Berkeley, city of Berkeley, surprise, surprise, demands forced depopulation to halt climate change crisis that it claims is worse than the Holocaust. Of course, you know, we read about Agenda 2030 and climate change laws, but the depopulation and this in the bird flu, right? An engineered bird flu. Without an antidote. Yeah, imagine that. Now this article, Mike, I read this to you earlier, you weren't aware of it yet, Florida teen first human to be diagnosed with Keystone virus. And this says a teen of Florida, the first known person to be infected with this mosquito-borne virus. It was first discovered in 1964. And then, again, this is the first human to, known to be infected with it. All sorts of viruses are being transmitted, uh, and we, yet we don't fully understand the rate of disease transmission. So we're watching an increase in pestilence. That was one of the things that Jesus said is going to happen in the last days. But even to have human engineering with the attempt at population mm. control, but it's like we got this lab and everything is starting to go out. It is. Artificial intelligence. Yeah. I, I don't see anything good coming from this. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're right. I'm just uh, glad you're not afraid to talk out like that. Well, um, let's take it down a couple of notches. That which is killing a population is endorsed uh, by the government, by the governments worldwide. Uh, men finding pleasure in Romans chapter 1, women with women doing unseemly things, but take uh, joy and happiness in that they do these things. But uh, a pandemic is more than epidemic. What Tom's reading about is this is going to ultimately be an epidemic because they don't have a way to stop it now. They fought Ebola and uh, the bird flu in Africa. Uh, but this is something on our own shores. And if this teen kisses his girlfriend and it passes it through saliva, or however, here's, here's where we're in pandemic. In not so populated Alaska, beautiful, beautiful state if you've never been there, they have an epidemic going of gonorrhea and sexually transmitted diseases. 
throughout the United States, we're in the pandemic era in some of these sexually transmitted diseases. And there are millions of Americans walking around with something they'll never, ever get rid of. And yet, not only does the government march in what are known as gay parades, uh, they interview people for a high-level job in a city or a county. If you're the sheriff or you're elected as the mayor or you're the chief police, will you march in uniform with the gay pride? I, I know people that were more than qualified for certain jobs around the country because they said, no, I can't, my conscience wouldn't let me. They didn't get the job. But God had better jobs waiting for them. But here's the thing. You've got this, this pestilence part, and we aren't aware of pestilence much as Americans, but I think the word bubonic plague is probably an honorable vocabulary from junior high school. Something happened back then. All of these things, a man thinking he's a woman and wanting to get a quote-unquote sex change, a woman thinking she's a man, a man that's not sure if he's a man or a woman. How confused can a person be? And instead of sitting people down and saying, we need to help you find your way, they're throwing hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars at these issues and giving these operations. But this tells us Lucifer is out in the open. He's an open target right now. The Bible says, resist the devil and he flee from you. I don't think I could beat him up. Uh, I know Chuck Smith didn't think it. Billy Graham sure didn't think it up. In fact, Billy was asked to write a book about the devil. And it was Ruth that said, Billy, uh, she called him Bill. Bill, don't, don't do this. Give it to one of your assistants. And so Dr. John Wesley White wrote the book about the devil. And they spiritually knew what would come to them and their family. Here's the deal. All of these things are anti, not just antichrist, they're anti-human. So in power for the first time in most major spots are these anti-human creatures, demons, possessing people's bodies. They weren't satisfied with murdering 53 Americans while they're still in their mother's womb. They want to control the whole earth and have ways to kill hundreds and into the billions to control population until they can get off the planet and get off to Mars and to the moon. So this has, again, many layers to it, Tom, but it is so important. Whenever the destruction, the hurt, or the pain orchestrated by somebody behind you, and you can't see them, you know the devil's there. And the other thing is, is that people say yes to the devil, and they don't know because he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's the father of all lies. Every lie for the love of money is the root of all evil. So killing human beings, be it in the womb or out of the womb, that's the devil's plan, because he hates us. The love of many will grow cold. Yes. A lawlessness will abound, and it, deceit is the first sign right. that you've said to look for. And you read from Matthew 24, because lawlessness abounds, yeah. there you go. the love of many. And we just came through a lawless eight years, lawless, where we're now seeing how corrupt our Federal Bureau of Investigation became and the Internal Revenue Service. So lawlessness when it's abounding, as the days of Noah, yeah. then the hearts get cold. They wax cold, and people lose natural affection. So for somebody to sit in their office and say, no, let's start a war over here, and we'll get rid of about four or five million men in battle. Let's go over here and yeah. experiment with these people in Africa that nobody knows about. We'll give them our drugs that nobody in yeah. 
Well, that's a huge concern because you look at parts like places in Africa, easy place to experiment on human beings. And yeah. You read about these things. Speaking of lawlessness, you go back to the FBI and you're looking going, they're supposed to be holding the law, <laughs> making sure everybody else is holding the law. And now we're finding out these things. And we're thinking, all right. Corrupt. But again, you can only imagine what's going to happen. There's going to be a radical snapping back to a globalist movement when uh, the rapture takes place. Listen, we're about ready to get raptured out of here to the barbecue in a minute. Oh. But um, this, Sorry. just can I do one more thing? Yeah. One more? Okay. This, we're definitely going over, but that's okay. We should do this in two parts on YouTube. Uh, the president of China yes. says that China must lead way in reform of global governance because nobody else can do it. So we have the uprising of China. We have everybody's pushing towards a global, uh, the globalist movement. Uh, the United States faces unprecedented threat from China on, take, uh, on tech, uh, technology takeover. And this article goes back to uh, back in the 1980s hmm. when these things were progressing on to where they are today and the progress that China has made. Uh, and so we're looking at this, the globalist movement, the tech takeover, uh, so I'm thinking technology, and then here's this for technology. Might comment on this, then I think we need to wrap it up. The Florida airport to face scan U.S. citizens traveling abroad. Uh, this article says there's already eight other airports across the mm -hmm. country that are doing face scans. This airport, I think it's in Orlando, says it's going to face scan every single person that travels internationally. So right now it's kind of experimental in other airports across the country. And China is... Oh, China has, has social been. credit. Yeah. China's scanning everybody. You're walking across the street, the street, you're scanned, they have the social credit that's going on. So with that, Mike, can you fill in, do you know much about the social credit system? I'll let you. I don't know anything about it. Oh. No, I do. Actually, I do. So uh, with the social credit system uh, in China, how it's working, everybody's being scanned now. Their faces are. And so the artificial intelligence can... can go through all of the data on a person's face in, in less than a second that it would have taken maybe a year for one person to go through and figure things out. So it's able to do it in less than a second, scan their citizens, and if somebody has a low social credit, the social credits are based upon if they did something against the government or they, did, you know, they just didn't go along with the system, then they can't buy a house. There's all, they have a lockdown. There's one gentleman recently that was not allowed to travel on a train because he was a political activist, but he's caught because of the face scan and the social credit mm. system. That plays into the, the whole uh, Revelation chapter 13. Mm. You look at that mm. and you go, man, that is the direction it's going. The system is there. China already uses it, but it's also being experimented with here in America. And again, as we look at all of the things we talked about tonight, Mike, from the immigration problem to pedophilia, to what's going on in Europe and the pushback against, mm. the, against the globalists, the George Soros being kicked out of Hungary. Now, we're going we're to talk about all these things, a lot of other things tonight we don't have time to. But boy, we can see the system. The mm. moment the rapture takes place, this, this, this is this Doesn't is it make this. sense to you, knowing this, why a forehead would have some sort of yeah. identification mark? Yeah. You're walking across the crosswalk or you're in Riverside at a mall, and it sees your number. It already knows everything about you. There's a warrant for your arrest, a speeding ticket you haven't paid, or that whole social You thing. were talking about Jesus somewhere. You're, you're done. Uh, that's, that's the reality of That is where this is going to go, too. And it has. Yeah. 
it, it is in uh, Canada, unfortunately, right now, yeah. that pastors have been pulled from their pulpits by the government for speaking, well, for reading chapter one of Romans, right. speaking the book of Revelation. Yeah. And uh, California, our great state, recently, in the last two months, had a law passed that uh, uh, Christians cannot counsel homosexuals. Uh, and when I heard that, I thought, if I were a homosexual, I would be so angry right now that the government is controlling me, telling me who I can talk to. They don't see it. They see it backwards. See what I'm saying? And if they can do it to that community, they can do it to every community. And, and that's the reality of it. With yeah. Hitler, he started with the, uh, the homosexual community, he started right. going on through the, the homeless, and then it was the Jews. Just start going after everybody because you've got to control the masses, the right. propaganda, all those things. It's just a matter of time before the heavy hand of the globalists will come about. Uh, Trump and the na other nationalists, Tommy Robinson in England, hmm. uh, they're going to be silenced eventually, I'm convinced. People like you and I are going to be silenced eventually, but I'm hoping the rapture takes place first. But this is also fascinating. And then I'll almost close with this. Uh, this <laughs> research at the University of Basel and Rockefeller University huh. found evidence that contradicts Darwin's theory of evolution. Did you hear about this? Uh, instead of animals e evolving into humans over millions of years, the DNA of thousands of species of animals, including humans, found that animals and humans emerged about the same time. Like that. Now this is in Probably days this apart. is science. Yeah, imagine that. First few days of creation or within yeah. by, by day six. And you start looking at it, you're going, well, this is really interesting. Now they say uh, the scientists, secular scientists say it all happened two hundred thousand years ago. I'm saying they're gonna find out eventually if they're if they're willing to admit it, they're gonna find out it happened the way the Bible said it did. But this research will probably be silenced, too. But I look at that, Peter says, in the last days, the people will be willfully ignorant about creation. And uh, it's a willful choosing not to believe even a secular report like that, that that will come out. But here is some great news. You ready for this? I am. Chris Pratt, actor out of Hollywood. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Wow. Uncorked some truth in a Hollywood culture of lies. He's come out uh, as a Christian on MTV during an award ceremony. You're coming out. Isn't that weird? You got to come out. Now you come out as a Christian. <laughs> Interesting things. But Mike, we are out of time because I know people are hungry. Normally we finish about 6.15. But uh, I hope you guys were blessed tonight. Were you? <laughs> Amen. Thank you very much. No, we, had, we, we really had a lot more to talk about. I wanted to get into Poland and so many other things that you have that you could have connected with us. Will you come back again? Of course, it's an honor. Okay, I can't you. wait. It's going to be great. Okay. It's going to be great having you back here. Amen. And we'll get into those other things that we weren't yeah. able to. But I the... like what you did tonight about tying together because each country could be sitting tonight and start tying together and it ends up with their country. But you of all people that we've always trusted because we have freedom of speech. Uh, and it's been taken from us, and we've had freedom of the press, and we know it's not real. So uh, to bring the dots around, and isn't it interesting, as bad as the people and countries we're made out to be, even by those that are in our country, the people are still wanting to come here and to yes, live. Yes, they are. Because the reality of yeah. it is they know this is still yeah. the this most the free country in the world. We have freedoms. And uh, 
Uh, I've heard from many people who come from other countries. They say, wow, America isn't really a racist like my country was. But what's propagated out right. there is you know, we're the most evil people on the planet. That, come, that news comes from this country to the rest of the world. We got yeah. problems. Everybody has problems. We're in a sin-fallen world. We need Jesus. But we have Jesus. So this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. Uh, take invites with you to other people that, you know, invite them here for Sunday nights. Uh, next week, Don Stewart's here. Oh. You know, Don? I thought the Barry's week... going to be here, no? Uh, Barry's coming up. Next week is Don Stewart. Okay. The week after that is James Cadiz. Y'all know James? So James is the favorite here. Mm. You know James. Barry's coming up. I'm coming up again, too, by the way, mm. just so you know. Um, but this is all coming up right in a row, starting uh, tonight with Mike, next week, week after week after week after. We have a really exciting summer. Barbecue, too to feed our physical lives because we need that also. Again, Mike, thank you for coming. I'm going to pray and cut everybody loose to go get something to eat. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity tonight uh, with uh, Mike, our brother and friend. We ask for your ministering to him as he goes back home down south. Lord, bless him as he goes to cooler weather. Uh, Lord, bless and minister to him. Continue to grant him wisdom mm. and insight. We thank you. We look forward to the time when he's going to come back, unless we are home with you before then. Yeah. Lord, we ask that you bless the food out and the barbecue tonight, too. And Lord, we pray that you administer all those watching online also in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I add one thing? You yes, mentioned? you may I, add I like one thing. Chuck Smith never really told you anything about himself, but um, I was invited. I'd gone to China back in the 70s in the early 80s. Uh, we were honored to be there by some members of government. But Chuck was invited by the Chinese government to come to China. And uh, Skip Heitzake and I said, would you mind if we tag along? And his son Jeff went. And I'll tell you this, this one picture, if you can get this. Um, we were in a room in a building called the State House. And the State House is acres and acres downtown Beijing, armed guards at every gate. And it's where the dignitaries of the world come and where they stay in cabanas. And uh, they have places for eating, for having world meetings. And uh, for instance, that night at dinner, uh, Dr. Henry Kissinger was in the State House next door. And he was meeting with the Prime Minister, President of China and uh, Malaysia. Now, Chuck was the point of interest. He sat next to the prior uh, minister, uh, foreign minister of the whole world in China's business. And I remember I sat next to the ambassador who negotiated the open doors with uh, President Richard Nixon. And I, I found that interesting during that time. So I, I just told him, I said, I followed your career. And what an honor to sit next to you. And I was looking for a way that I could get the gospel going. Because these are all communists. and I mean, supposedly they don't have any concept of God. And I thought, if I quote a scripture and I don't give it perfectly, I bet Chuck would s jump in and he would say how that scripture should be. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I was trying to explain to this man what a brilliant mind he has and that God gave him that mind. And somewhere in the Psalms... Uh, when, uh, when I consider your handiwork in the heavens, and uh, what was the rest of that? that uh, and Chuck, sitting across the room, said, Mike, it goes like this. And he did the whole thing. And the Holy Spirit took that. And all the, the waiters that uh, were in their white uniforms, and the cooks, the chefs, 
all around that room, the wall, were standing these regular people, high security clearances to feed, you know, high security people. But, um, and Chuck gave about 20 to 30 minute Bible study on the creation of man and why God loves us. And those people just sat there soaking it up like a sponge. And I've been around the world and, and across the country so many times. Uh, there were so many things like that that people don't know that he just didn't talk about. You know, he, he, uh, I'd been invited to the White House, for instance, one time, and a couple times, and, and uh, I was getting some help on helping some prisoners get out of the Middle East and in Russia. And somebody that was working with Chuck at the time said, oh, you know, Chuck's been invited. I didn't say that I'd been invited twice. I just knew that and said I'm helping a non-government deal right now. And the White House has opened some doors. And he said, you know, Chuck, has Pastor Chuck's been invited eight times to the White House? I said, what? Did he ever go? No. Why do you think he didn't ever go? Because Pastor Chuck said, well, if they want to hear what I have to give, and uh, they, they will let me teach them the Bible and how to rule and lead and those kinds of things, I gladly would go. But they're wanting me to come for their agenda so that I'd influence, influence the people that trust me. That's just how his heart was. So there was an issue at Calvary Costa Mesa, and uh, there's a homosexual group at the time called ACT UP. I remember that. Remember that? And they were rioters. They'd start a riot in public something. So on Sunday that Chuck was gone, uh, a dozen or so came running down the aisles and ripping their clothes off and, you know, swearing. And, but Calvary Costa Mesa, like you and other guys, has a lot of off-duty police officers. And uh, they didn't figure in police officers, let alone two or three dozen police officers. These men and women came out of the pews so quickly, they're down, cuffed, picked up over their heads and went out with them. So... Uh, Chuck asked me to come to his room, and he was telling me that we had a problem last week. So he calls Chuck Jr. and says, I heard something queer happened at the church last week. Is that true? <laughs> and I looked and said, what? And uh, he said, uh, if the governor at that time uh, signs into law about, it might have been the earliest ever for gay marriage, uh, he'll never hold an office, and I know he's looking to be president someday. And I said, you mean you'd do something like that? You'd, he said, you better believe it. That's why I learned if I don't stand for righteousness, I'll fall for anything. But he wouldn't do it in uh, a bad way. And I said, I have a friend that uh, we just vacationed together, our families, and he's the governor's personal uh, election campaign guy and attorney. Could I give him a heads up? And he said, yeah. I said, you're serious? He said, yeah. And I called, and, uh, hey, good to hear. Well, this is not a good call, because I'm in China. And you know Chuck Smith is. Oh, yes, of course. And uh, here's what happened. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And here's what I heard him over say about your boss. And he said, you Christians, you're always, always trying to stop stuff. And I said, hold it. We're friends. You're a good Catholic boy. We're friends. And I'm just telling you, I know this man very well. And he doesn't use idle words. He doesn't make threats. But if you know who he is, you know that there are millions of people that listen to him and love him. And he would do this to protect those people. And he was silent. And he said, I'll make the call. And he did. And it was stopped. At that time, it was stopped. 
And I learned from that, uh, stand up for righteousness, no matter if it's politically correct or not. And the reason America is in the state it is today, Tom, and you know this as well as I do, is that the Christian community tries to make a political arm out of the body of Christ instead of Christian people standing up for righteousness. And um, I thank God that you do this on Sunday nights. Amen. Thank you.